welcome to Tested Illusions. We are back in the Rankin-Bass Cinematic Universe, and uh, this will probably, almost certainly, I don't want to shut the door completely, but it will almost certainly be our final Christmas episode of the year. I'd kind of thought to myself, you know, let's try and do as many of these Rankin-Bass uh, specials as we can, and uh, I mean, podcasting solo is, uh, this is either our seventh or our eighth episode. Uh, I think it's our eighth episode of the year for Christmas, and uh, these specials, they're a lot of fun to do. It's really, it, it's hard to think of a better way to get into the Christmas spirit than watching really weird old stop-motion animation, especially, I mean, some of the ones that we've been doing, Pinocchio's Christmas, uh, certainly this one, The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus, which is actually the final Rankin-Bass uh, stop-motion animation special. It was released in 1985. It is based off of the uh, book by Fra L. Frank Baum, who is most likely known to all of you as the author of The Wonderful Wizard of Oz and all of the other books in the Oz series. The Life and Adventures of Santa Claus is basically Oz meets Santa Claus. Santa Claus origin story. I mean, I... It's hard not to watch it when you're watching the this special. It's hard not to think of the Rankin-Bass Lord of the Rings animated series that we've talked about. Uh, and more specifically, we've talked about we're not doing them because they're... I was about to say they're scary. They're, they're creepy more than they are scary. But this one, I mean, this one actually <laughs> dumped on a couple other ones, particularly uh, the most recent... Miser Brothers, which is not Rankin-Bass, but it's it's a sequel to a Rankin-Bass, and it's done in the style of Rankin-Bass. This one, the animation is absolutely, the stop-motion animation, the animagic, as they would call it, uh, is, is spectacular, and it's really, and it's funny, because Pinocchio's Christmas is not, it's only a couple years before this one, and I wasn't terribly in love with that animation. This one is absolutely beautiful, but I... I the precursor. I, I understand that probably there's a lot of listeners uh, listening who have not necessarily seen this one. It's available on uh, AMC, AMC on Demand, AMC Plus right now. This is obviously not one of their most famous specials, and yet, I mean, okay, we can understand why this special is batshit crazy. It's it's as complex as I kept thinking of. A lot of it takes place in a in. A sort of a council setting as they're de uh, debating whether to give Santa, who's previously mortal, whether they're going to grant him immortality for his life of good deeds. He's uh, Santa's and uh, in, in his advanced years, he's basically on the brink of death. He's been delivering toys for fifty years. And we're jumping around a little bit, but basically, the the this is a special that's framed as an origin story, but. They use the council and the deliberation over Santa's life as kind of the as sort of the nucleus of the special that everything else revolves around. So, I mean, that's really weird. And the special starts off with a couple minutes of of heavy exposition, basically naming everybody. It's like if you were watching the Lord of the Rings movie, and they give a little bit of an introduction in terms of like you know who got the, the these rings went to the elves three for the elves five for the dwarfs nine for men that kind of stuff they go around and they introduce all of these fantasy people who are deliver uh, deliberating over santa whether he's getting immortality and the the, the one the one at that big rivendell council meeting <laughs> that is uh 
worth mentioning. I mean, the the sort of the ringleader and a, a kind of like a adopted father slash mentor type figure to Santa Claus is uh, the great Ock, who is uh, I mean he's he's it's hard to look at him and not think of Gandalf the Gray, sort of a Gandalf Bilbo type situation. Also at the council meeting, we have uh, the good Queen Zervine. We have some wind demons. We have uh, the spirit of death. I don't know. I mean, you know what? I'm, I was sitting there and I was about. I was going to pause and go back and try to write down all the names. It turns out, really, throughout the special, knowing any of these people that they spend a few minutes explaining, it really doesn't matter. But uh, so we find that Santa has been left in the uh, sort of the snowy kind of outskirts of the Immortals' land, and Greydock is basically the leader of the Eternals. They have they have this forest the in the forest of Bursey. And uh, Ak finds the baby Klaus, who's not named Klaus yet. He gets that name in a, a couple of minutes, basically. And uh, he decides that he's going to give it. He's going to give the baby to the this this lioness named Shigra. And I mean, Shigra honestly has some of the best. Uh, they did a really, really, really good job making Shigra really cool stop motion. All of this was out. I mean, a lot of them over the years, at least going back to Rudolph's Shiny New Year, were outsourced to Japan. I mean, a lot of animation studios do that. The Simpsons does it. Family Guy does it. Uh, they pretty much all do. Uh, they do They do really good work in Japan on this kind of stuff. And they were able... There's a couple scenes set in... Uh, they, they show... Well, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but uh, Ak basically takes Klaus on a little field trip to show him what the world's really like, and they see a samurai, and they... There's a battle scene later where the Immortals take on the uh, Aguas. Seriously, that that this actually ha- I'm not making this up. This actually happens. This is this one is actually a lot weirder than Pinocchio's Christmas. But uh, they, it was really cool to see. Like there was, uh, you, you could almost tell that there was a little bit of an extra emphasis by the the Japanese animators to make. Uh, I mean, it's it's really the sets the sets all around on this are really cool. But I mean. Some of the stuff like Santa's log cabin, it's cool, but it's a log cabin. We've seen it all before to see the samurais and the big the battle. The battle is really cool. It, I, I like this special a lot. I think it's very odd. Going through the plot is very odd, but that was a little bit of a diversion. But I don't know. I felt kind of bad that I was dumping on the Miser Brothers a lot because I, I don't regret dumping on it. It's not really that, it's really not that great of a special. The plot is really stupid of that one. Uh, this plot is not less, is is not, I wouldn't really call it more intelligent. There's a lot more depth to it. Let's say that. So uh, sh- before we took the detour, uh, Shiagra had uh, got the baby Klaus. Not ba- the name baby Klaus yet, though. And it's it's completely unclear why uh, the great Ak would uh, give Klaus to a lion when there's a woodland nymph named Nasil who, who speaks English, is... Actually, like, a pretty good caretaker, but she becomes jealous that the lion gets to raise the baby and steals Klaus, and, uh, I, what's, what's even kind of weirder, so Nasil steals Santa, and the great Ak goes to the great Ak and says, hey, you know, I really want to raise this kid, and you kind of think there's going to be a little bit of a showdown between nymph and lion, Lioness and actually acts like no, Nasil, you will raise the kid. However, Shiegra will still be there to protect him. So he's going to be co-parented by a lion and a woodland nymph. Okay, 
that is uh, that's what's going on. It's very odd. Another character to introduce who's who's I mean he's kind of always around in in the special. Uh, he doesn't really start to matter until later. His name is Tingler. He is uh, described as a sound imp. It's it's funny because he looks exactly and kind of behaves exactly like there's a Legend of Zelda character named Tingle, who very very odd man. Uh, first appears in Majora's Mask. I know he's at least in uh, The Wind Waker as well. Should be in all of them, frankly. I think that's one of the uh, downsides of Breath of the Wild. Uh, to my knowledge, there's no Tingle. That's you know that's kind of unacceptable. But uh, Tingler's around. He's introduced. Uh, he mostly functions as Santa's translator later on in the special. But uh, he and Shigra are, are in. I think really, I was about to say the lion's share of the scenes. No pun intended. Although, right before I said it, I realized that that was a pun. How lovely. So we get a little bit of a flash forward. There's some songs. I mean, none of the songs in this special are particularly memorable. Although, one thing I did notice was that this special relied a lot more on uh, chorus-style songs than almost all of the Rankin Basses, which tend to mostly be sung by one lead, and maybe there's a little bit of a background chorus. But these were these were basically just heavy chorus. And there's not... Not a ton of songs compared to some... Like, Pinocchio's Christmas, there's way too many songs. But this, uh, for a 50-minute special, uh, it really does go plot-heavy. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, uh, it's a good thing that there are not bad songs. And in the Rankin Bass... In the Rankin Bass universe, uh, they... Maybe two out of ten are are pretty good. One in five, they do a good song. Uh, there are a lot of lot of stinkers. So this one, I mean, coming out, coming out is not having a great song, but also not having that many bad songs. Uh, okay, we will take it. So the great act takes Klaus on. Really, I mean, this is probably the heaviest scene in the whole special because basically, Ack is telling him, you know. We're all immortal. We're going to live forever, but you are of you're a mortal man. And he he basically literally it's almost kind of like a Christmas carol cuz he's going around showing him other people and it's like, you know, here's the way the world works. I mean, the big difference would be that Santa hadn't done anything that was bad like Ebenezer Scrooge. He's not he's not being scared straight. It's kind of a okay, it's time for you to leave the garden of Eden, dude. It's a shitty world out there. And, and, and that's honestly that's like a pretty accurate paraphrasing of exactly what does happen. He goes out and he's literally going to show him man's humanity. And first they go visit, well actually first they go to Samurai. And uh, he's watching a little kid basically learn to fight. And he wants to intervene. He wants the he wants the teacher to not to not uh, attack attack a little kid and knock a little kid over and uh, the great act is basically like, no, he's learning how to be an adult. And at this point, you're gonna be sitting there thinking, like, what five year old is gonna sit here and watch this? First of all, they're gonna be confused as shit by all the exposition in the beginning. I'm confused as shit by the exposition. All these people, I, I, I don't know. I mean, so, the biggest complaint about Rankin Bass period is that the, the these these narratives often don't really look like they were ever designed to function as as fluid narratives, like a. You know, we say, like, a story has beginning, middle, and end. This really takes those three entities, and it, it's almost like they were never, ever meant to flow with each other. They're just... 
this this is literally the beginning then we'll pivot to something completely unrelated and then again we'll pivot to something even more unrelated you, you know your end is supposed to tie back in some way and it's not like i mean they they do have that with the council of rivendell with all these people debating and all of that like they're not completely but it's also eh. the special spends a lot of the second half basically uh, Waiting into, if you've seen Solo, a Star Wars story, kind of the biggest complaint, at least, that I had with that, that movie was that they really, they they felt a need to explain basically every single reference that Han had ever made. We learn why he has Solo as a name, we learn why he got his gun, we see the Kessel Run, the 12 parsecs, that stuff. Uh, this is a bad idea, like, it was a bad idea. This, we learn, why does he go down chimneys? We even learn why he says ho, 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 which is ridiculous. We learn, we learn way too much. We learn why the reindeer fly. We learn that Santa does not means test his toys. And that's kind of a weird part. We're jumping a little bit ahead of ourselves. So, after the samurai, they go see homeless, they go see some homeless kids, and Santa learns that there's uh, other people. We also skipped a part. Nasil decides to name him Klaus, which in their language means little one. Another thing, like, did we... Uh, I mean, I guess... Of all the things of, like, did we need to know this name? Okay, well, uh, we'll, we'll get that one. But... Ak is, uh, showing him war. At one point he says, you know, man fights for causes. Uh, for things that are what are known as causes. And Klaus is like, well, are there good causes or bad causes? The clause is trying to figure out the cause. The clause in effect. And they're seeing war. I mean, it's really, it's just it's absurdly heavy. It's, it's actually, I mean, if you're if you're an adult uh, who hasn't seen this, I mean, obviously you're an adult listening to this podcast. Uh, it's something. It is something. And literally, I, I, I had to pause to write this down. The exact quotes from it. What is man's use? Why is he here? Why is he born at all? Like, Klaus is really getting into heavy existentialism. And Ak is, like, I, I mean, Ak is, is taking human, like, human desire for war, for causes, like, what, rallying, like, a community. This is, this is why we go into societies. We rally for a common cause. We war. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Man is ugly. This is what you need to see. I mean... He is laying it down. And in some ways, if you have a young child, there is maybe some value in taking them and saying, like, okay, kid, I know that you, your your teachers or people are, are telling you to believe that this world is such a great place. Well, guess what? It's not. It's not. Thank God we have this stop-motion special to tell us, hey, the world is ugly, but that's okay because Santa's here and he's going to give you some presents and he doesn't care if you're rich or poor, you're still going to get the present from him. And what's funny, I mean, within the nature versus nurture kind of context, the great act has nurtured him up until that point, but for whatever reason, he basically says, you know, you have to, you've seen the mortal world, you've seen all of its awfulness, all the cruelty and suffering out there. And he tells, basically, that Klaus has to go there and make it better. And he, he, he essentially, I mean, it's unclear why he can't just live his life in the forest. 
I don't I don't know. I mean, may, I, I guess, and maybe this is a little bit of a stretch, but maybe it's not. Basically, the great act understands that they can live meaningless existences because their existence will never, uh, they'll always be, they'll always exist. But Klaus is a mortal man. He has a finite existence. He has to make something of it, which is, guess what? If you're a little kid, you're not going to understand the, the message of, of that, but maybe you should hear it. I, I'm actually, I'm kind of with the special on this one. So Klaus is supposed to leave. He's a young man, and uh, Shiegra and Tingler go with him. He goes, he goes to the town of Ho Ha Ho, Ho Ha Ho. Huh? Like what? Gee, I wonder why they would name it that. It sounds a little bit like Ho Ho Ho, Ho Ha Ho. God. I mean, that's a little unnecessary. So we get a couple sequences, basically, of Santa. He's growing up. They're they're kind of they're doing a little bit of a montage. But he's also, it's, it's not like he rushes into the toys. He's figuring out how he can make good, like, do some good in the world. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's kind of nice. And uh, in in the interim, Nasil, it's unclear why she doesn't go. You know, your mother figure is basically intervening, saying, like, Shegra, you're not going to raise... Uh, Klaus, I'm going to raise him, and yet, Shigra, you go to Hoaho, and I will stay, but I will send you a kitty named Blinky, and Nasil sends him a kitty, and basically, Santa's getting older, he has a, he's got a nice little, uh, nice little cottage or cabin, kind of on the outskirts of Hoaho, and this little uh, orphan boy named Weakum collapses in the snow outside, and uh, the the little troop of, of uh, Klaus and Tingler and Shagra and I guess now Blinky. And actually, Shagra and Blinky don't really like each other, which is bizarre because there's kind of like a, a kitty rivalry between the lioness and the kitten. And yet one of the li- like one of them is literally a kitty that was sent. And the other one is is the one that was supposed to have been uh, tasked with the responsibility of raising Klaus is presumably basically immortal. It's unclear if Blinky is immortal or not. I mean, I won't, let's let's hope so. And after they get to uh, after Weakum warms up a bit, he's immediately taken with Blinky, and he it's kind of hinted he wants a kitty of his own, even though I mean he's he's not able to. Not only is he not able to take care of himself, he's not really able to walk around in the snow. Without freezing, because uh, he sees he sees a cabin. It, it, he basically almost dies trying to get it to Santa's cabin, wandering out in the wood. I don't know. The whole thing is a mess. But Santa sees that he likes Blinky, and then spends all night carving him a wooden Blinky, a, the first toy. And he decides basically, hey, I really liked making this toy. I'm going to start basically a workshop here, and we're going to give out toys. And some other woodland nymphs decide to come help. Further unclear why Nasil didn't just come. Why Shiagra and Tinkler are really the only people helping him. I don't know. I mean, it's honestly... It's kind of a mess. And, and at that point, they're making toys. They're figuring, like, hey, how do I ramp up production? And he sees he, he, he sees some kids that he wants to give toys to. And one of the nymphs is basically like, hey... They're rich. You don't need to make you don't need to make toys for the children of an earl. And he's like, no, I'm gonna make toys regardless of your rich or poor. Which, I, I don't know. I, I'm sitting there thinking, like, did they throw that? Did they force that line in there just so that like, the 
kids wouldn't feel bad about wanting the gifts that are inevitably airing during the commercials while the special's running. I don't know. It, it's kind of odd. It doesn't. It's a weird line. It seems a little forced, and it's weird because this is like a this is like a 1902 book, a very old book, and it's got kind of the trappings of modern Christmas. Like it, Pinocchio's Christmas is basically like this as well. It's it's a really old source material blended with a more modern interpretation of Christmas commercialization and all of that. And it's here that the antagonists come. So they've got like a, a, a whole toy operation going right now. It's not it's not set to be on Christmas Eve yet. We actually get it. We, we understand that that's... We get an explanation for that too. But... <laughs> There's a character named uh, Peter Nook who honestly is is he to go back to Lord of the Rings. It's almost kind of like it's it's Tom Bombadil again. And Peter Nook's main contribution to all of this is that he is the one who supplies the reindeer that fly. And initially, he gives kind of an ultimatum to Santa, saying, "Hey, because Santa's unable to pull his sleigh, and this isn't even Christmas Eve yet, but." Santa's unable to pull his sleigh manually, so he says, I'll lend you these flying reindeer. We'll make them fly, but you have to bring them back by dawn. And he's out all night delivering presents. And that's actually also, because he's he's delivering presents at night, beforehand he would just kind of go around and give presents willy-nilly. But he decides, hey, I'm going to do this at night. And guess what? He runs into a problem that people lock their doors at night. That's literally, he's like, oh no, how am I supposed to get in? And at that point, Tingler's like, hey, why don't you go in through the chimney? So we learn why they go. We learn why Santa has to deliver toys to the chimney because he's a burglar. And at no point is he, is he thinking to himself, hey, maybe when people lock their doors at night, maybe, hang on, is this, is this really radical? Maybe they don't want people to come in. And I say that, I say that. But later on, they seem to be very pleased that Sansa's coming in through the chimney. The adults, and then they kiss under the mistletoe. They seem to be pretty... They, they like that Santa invades their home. So basically, then we get the villains of the special. We get the Aguas, which... They're basically just like orcs, and... Uh, they don't like that kids are getting presents. They don't they they don't want kids to have any kind of gift and they're very angry that Santa is maybe they're very anti-commercialization, I don't know, but they're very against Santa giving out gifts. And uh they plan they steal first off they steal a lot of his toys. And at this point too, they they steal his toys, they steal a lot of them. And at this point, Santa makes his devil's bargain with Peter Nook and, and agrees to limit his gift-giving, uh, limiting his sleigh ride to Christmas Eve once a year, which is a problem because this this up to this point, even though it's like basically always snowing, he's been giving gifts and it's supposed to be 10 days prior, so they're going to have to work double time. But the Aguas, these orc people, basically, they take the gifts, and Santa realizes he can't complete his... He can't give gifts to everybody unless unless the uh, unless he gets the gifts back from the aguas and thankfully i mean a lot of these specials show like mother father or uh, you know children there's a little bit of strife between father and son and these kind you know the son wants to defy the father what's really nice about the great act as a father like figure is he's really backing his son in this instance cuz the aguas the orc people are very against santa delivering gifts 
But the act goes to them and says, hey, you can't screw around with uh, Klaus's gift-giving. And then they literally, the immortals go to war with the Aguas, and they fight them. And they, it's not, we see a little bit of the battle. We see some dragons. We basically see swarms of people coming at each other. But they don't, they don't really show the battle. We do learn that they've perished, though. I don't, I mean, I really like the battle scene. It, it, it shows a studio that I, some of the motions of some of the bigger combatants, it, it, it definitely makes you think of the Abominable Snowman and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. This special is, I want to say, 21 years afterward. It's definitely two decades. They've come a long way. This stop motion, it's really good. its I mean, I was watching a 1080p cut, uh, like, really, really nice quality. But, I mean, honestly, like, it's... This is not Little Drummer Boy. This is, this is some good stuff. And I would have liked... In a lot of other contexts, I'd look at the Aguas and I would say, okay, this is, uh, this is, first of all, just a villain, basically. This villain exists because it needs to exist. This special has to have some kind of antagonist. And I, in a lot of other contexts, I would say, okay, this is Rankin-Bass. You know, when they, whenever any of these hit a third act, they tend to get way dumber. They tend to introduce a lot of shit. It does kind of, at a lot of points, make you wonder, gee, why didn't they think of doing something like The Year Without a Santa Claus, like a sequel to that or a sequel to Santa Claus's Coming to Town? Why didn't they do something like that that's basically just kind of like more of a riff on the original versus saying, nah, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We're going to get really, really weird. We're going to go, we're going to do Pinocchio's Christmas. We're going to do Life and Adventures of Santa Claus. We're gonna we're gonna have the Aguas. We're gonna have this wizard man, Peter Nook. We're gonna we're gonna get really really fucking weird. It's it's like you're at a college party. You, you know, you you think you're going to drink drink from a keg of beer that's sitting in a bucket of ice. I mean, you're lucky if you get ice. Uh, and and instead, like the people there are all tripping on acid and they're pr- putting on an impromptu uh, performance. And I mean. Stuff like that happens. College is a weird place. This is basically like they're saying to themselves, gee, let's get weird. Although there's a giant dragon, so... I mean... They're talking about... They talk about some laws of man, good triumphing over evil. Great, I mean... to, To bring a Lord of the Rings comparison into the equation... I mean, you could say that the elves were not... They were pretty indifferent to helping out for a lot of the time. They do help in, in a lot of instances, but a lot of times they're they're kind of like, eh, you know, you guys can solve this. The immortals, the immortals, the immortals rally around a cause that's in... I mean, it's it's about Santa giving gifts. This is not like, this is not an existential battle of good versus evil, but they treat it that way. And they don't need to be drag kicking and screaming to do that. I mean, that that's kind of cool. I I I kind of look at at the great act, and I think actually he is kind of great. And to see him really rallying with the council against like a spirit of death, and he's sitting there saying like, "Hey, this kid, this Klaus, this Saint Klaus." We actually when when he's delivering toys to the kids and. Uh, 
breaking through to their uh, locked door. They basically just declare him a saint. There's nothing about sort of the Catholic tradition. Uh, no, I mean, it, it's weird because Santa Claus is a historical figure. He's a saint in the Catholic Church, and yet you have a guy basically saying, no, this isn't somebody from the 1500s. This is somebody from Middle Earth, from Lord of the Rings. This is, it, it, it's a weird kind of, appro- it is kind of appropriation, not that we care, but... It's just kind of weird to see, like, a historical figure like that looped into Lord of the Rings. I mean, J.R.R. Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, they were religious guys. It's, it's weird. This is, this is odd. This is very, very, very strange. It's strange to see parents happy that a man broke in. It's going around, flying around, saying, ho, ho, ho. I mean, narratively speaking, it's really confusing that there's... A toy delivery 10 days prior to Christmas, and then they do it again. They're really stressed about about potentially missing that year's worth of gift-giving. And, and Peter Nook is, is actually extremely accommodating. He finds the gifts that the Aguas destroyed, and yet he's also placed this rigid, hey, you can only do this, you can only do this on the 24th, only on Christmas Eve. So he's both like, he he's very, he's extremely helpful, and yet also kind of rigid. But, uh, they, it's, it's unclear at what point when the nymphs became the elves, but, uh, I mean, that's kind of the gist of the special, where it starts to end, they, uh, go back, they loop around to the council, Santa Claus is older, and he's, like, about to die. He's kind of, like, in his bed, and, I mean, they make a great case for him at the council, like, hey, this guy... I mean, a lot of people, I mean, what's interesting to think, like, hey, is is this guy more worthy of immortality because he gave gifts to kids, or is somebody who, let's say, invented penicillin or something, saved countless lives, is is that better or worse than the guy? Like, it's odd that they're, it's odd that they're taking the position that delivering toys to kids is is really the thing that gets you eternal life when I mean this is unprecedented. No mortal has ever become immortal, and yet the count the council doesn't need to have its arm twisted. They tell the story, and everybody's like, "Yeah, that's a really good guy." And even though he's like old, and what what's odd is he's old and and basically on the brink of death. There's no Mrs. Claus in this either. He's just basically got his two mothers who are not lesbian mothers, but he has two mothers. He's got Shigra and he's got Nasil. And basically, I mean, Shigra's supposed to live forever. She and Tingler say, "Hey, when you die, we'll continue to uh, decorate the tree and and use that to remember you." That's kind of like what the Christmas tree is supposed to be. But then he's immortal, and uh, they keep him at his old immortal body. His old body is the immortal one. Not, I mean, we see him. We see him grow, and we we spent a, a bit of time with him in his thirties. He's got kind of a, a brownish blonde beard. He's, you'd think, hey, I'm gonna be immortal. Can I be immortal and not not be not be the old man? <laughs> I don't know. I guess we don't. We don't get. We don't get an explanation for why he f- flies around in his red pajamas. That's uh, that's maybe the one really big upsetting thing about this special. Another funny thing at the end with uh, the great act is they say, "So say you all." When they vote to make Santa immortal, that's kind of an abrupt ending at that point. Like they don't ask him. I mean, 
he goes he goes to Hoao to to find meaning to basically live immortal life and find purpose. And then they grant him immortality, but he doesn't go back to the forest. He stays there. I mean, it would be kind of selfish if he did go back, but the whole point of him leaving was because he was immortal. So now they're making him immortal and not telling him to... I don't know. It's And it's also weird. It's weird to see the transition. So they say that Santa's been delivering toys for 60 years. I mean, basically... that. Okay, a generous estimate. If, if he was kind of youngish with the beard, let's place him at like 30. He does that like 60 years, 90. Okay, we could maybe say maybe with... Maybe he's got a full beard at 25. Maybe he does this for 60 years and he's 80 and 85 and on the brink of death. I don't know. Well, maybe not the biggest plot hole in the world. What is just kind of weird is, for so people would have known, they would have gotten to see this man get older and older and older. And then there's a certain point where he just stops getting any older. He becomes immortal. It, it, it's just odd when you... <sighs> Most of these specials don't confront the idea of, of Santa being an immortal entity. You know, they, they don't really confront... It. In a lot of ways, you don't really get anything by explaining any of that stuff. And yet, this special kind of centers its entire narrative around doing just that, explaining things. And I mean... The Aquas? They're... I, I can imagine a lot of different scenarios where I would say, like, hey, the Aguas are unbelievably stupid. This special's a mess. It doesn't make any sense. A lot of that... A lot of that is true. And yet, I mean, at the same time, it's it's fun. Life life and Adventures of Santa Claus is, is actually... It is maybe a little bit too long for a 50-minute... I don't want to say it drags, but the the amount uh, the amount of exposition at the beginning is is really intimidating, and it it almost it almost kind of tires you out really early on because I mean, go as far as an origin story goes, it doesn't really linger. They don't spend a lot of time doing songs, and yet I mean, it is a long it is a long special. The War with Aguas doesn't take that that long. It it it. it it's almost like it's a front-heavy special, and the second half kind of flies by. So that's kind of odd. And it it, it definitely... It, it is not hard to see why this special is not more well-known. It's it's not really for kids. It's it's apparently... And it, it apparently deviated a lot from its source material. So, I mean, you could, you could kind of say, okay, Oz diehards would maybe like this. Lord of the Rings diehards will find... Uh, a lot to enjoy in looking at this and thinking like, gee, what the hell? And there is the connection, Rankin-Bass and Lord of the Rings animated series. It, it was clearly something they kind of had on their minds. But overall, I mean, The Great Act is a pretty good narrator. Uh, the voice work here, there's not a lot of names that we could say like, oh yeah, that person was in this, that person was in that. Uh, we do have Robert McFadden, who was in Pinocchio's Christmas and is... Uh, most known to everybody as the voice of Schnarf, Schnarf, Schnarf on Thundercats. Uh, he is Tingler, so that's a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, other than, I mean, uh, Alfred Drake does a good job as the great act. Uh, Earl Hammond is Santa Claus. He's not really in any of the other ones that we would know. He's also a voice in Thundercats, though, which is kind of cool. Uh, 
you know, this is this is you know they're not they don't have Georgia Serving. There's no Mickey Rooney here. But I think that most people would go into this particular special with very low expectations, thinking like, hey, this is the final Rankin Bass stop motion animation. There's probably a reason for that. And there is kind of a reason. They were getting older. They're definitely it's hard to say that they're running on, on empty, but if I let's just say if I was the head of a studio and I was producing this, I was ordering this special and I was going to air it. It didn't. It didn't do very well in the ratings. It's it's weird. I wouldn't be happy with it if I was an executive saying like, "Hey, bring us some of that. You're that a Santa Claus, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, Frosty the Snowman, Magic. Bring us something that's really going to blow us away." And instead, they do something that is is really appealing to fantasy nerds, and other people are going to scratch their heads saying like, "What the fuck is this?" And and that that is that is life and adventures of Santa Claus in a nutshell. It's bizarre, but it doesn't have a it doesn't have it it doesn't have bad songs. The characters are interesting. They're not that they're not forgettable characters. There's too many of them, and the special spends way too much time at the beginning explaining who they are. But Tingler and Nasil and Shiagra, it's 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 fun stuff. I I. I I kind of wish they'd made a sequel to this one. <laughs> There's no world in which it would have been good, but I don't know. It, it was. It, I I enjoyed this one. I think that if you're a Rankin Bass uh, diehard, the kind that would actually listen to this podcast, let alone 38 minutes in, I think you'll probably uh, enjoy this one. And it's it's certainly. I like it. I like it better than Pinocchio's Christmas. It it has less. It has fewer plot holes to poke at. Maybe a little reference heavy with Santa stuff, but I gotta say, it's it's actually, you know, Jack Frost, uh, Santa Claus is coming to down. Those are the ones that probably are are better known. This is this is definitely better than those two. I I really I I enjoy this one. I I had fun with this. I don't know if it's one that you're gonna want to watch every year, but it is it is definitely worth throwing in the mix if. And that, a lot of that hinges on whether you can find it. YouTube TV, though, is really good with uh, the AMC library. Uh, has a lot of this stuff searching. Uh, it, it This isn't just, like, roster filler for the Rankin-Bass production slate. There, there is merit to this very, very strange special. And I think on that note, I mean, I think that's probably a good place to stop. This is, uh, I do recommend this one. I definitely don't recommend the Miser Brothers Christmas. Rudolph Shiny New Year is funny. Uh, I I guess as we as we wrap up our Christmas slate, I mean I've wished uh, we we've been kind of uh, at various points uh, cognizant of the fact that maybe uh, the Christmas special we're, we're gonna run out of time. Uh, I was actually kind of worried earlier today it was raining so hard that I wasn't sure if I was gonna be able to podcast if it was just gonna the wind and stuff was gonna make noise. Uh, it is it is getting too close to Christmas to really spend much more time doing Christmas specials because uh, I mean you're that a Santa Claus was popular all year we're not necessarily banking on on being able to recreate that with everything that we're putting out so uh, these I'm doing solo episodes on stop motion I mean there's a lot a lot of it's it's juggling uh, I hope I've done at least a serviceable job and I thank everybody for your patience uh, some of this stuff I mean. It, it is weird, especially with this one in Pinocchio's Christmas, to when you're sitting down to cover a special like this, and it's so complex, and there's so many pieces, and you're understanding that there are people who are listening who haven't haven't 
seen it for themselves and you're trying to do your best to explain it. I'm kind of sitting there thinking like, this is a children's show. Why Why am I so scared of, of trying to go through this? This is very hard stuff. Kind of a scatterbrain anyway. So it's challenging, but uh, I've had a lot of fun doing it. This has helped me get in the Christmas spirit. And I hope it's, it's I hope I hope you've enjoyed uh, following along with these and I hope it's gotten you in the Christmas spirit whether you're listening to it uh, the day we launched or later or after Christmas. Uh, this is such, it's such, it's such a magical time of the year, and, and doing stuff like this is really kind of a great small way to celebrate. I, I really, it's, it's humbling and touching that you chose to spend a little bit of your holiday time, whether you're driving, a commute, or, or on the road, or at home, uh, that you that you chose to spend some of your time with us. So uh, from the bottom of my heart, from uh, I know I can speak for Tara is not here, my sister Bibble, uh, we we've really enjoyed getting a chance to. Uh, I'm sure I could speak for Archie Ko too, rounding out our Christmas slate. We did a lot of solo episodes. We had some fun, fun guests, had some fun times. Uh, merry Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah, whatever you celebrate. If you don't celebrate, uh, you know. Have a have a have a really good rest and do something fun and uh, you know take some time and enjoy yourself and thank you so much for listening and we will see you next time.